What is up, everybody? I'm Dylan Bertemri, and welcome back to another episode of Top Shelf. Sorry that this is going to be coming out just a day later. Moving into college, getting all set up and everything was kind of chaotic. Didn't want to press myself to get out an episode one and make sure this one was just as good as every other one I will do. Make sure the quality is better than just getting one out there on time. So sorry about the delay. Shouldn't really happen any more times. But we've finished week two of the NHL season. Every team now has officially played a game. And if you're wondering, yes, we still got lots of news going on in the NHL. We are going to get into the Dallas Stars hot start up against the Predators. Dubois gets his wish in a blockbuster deal. John Chaka suspended. And is it time to hit panic on Alexi Lafreniere and much, much more. So let's dive right on in to our fourth episode of Top Shelf. Alrighty, man, do I really love that intro. It gets my blood pumping and me want to talk about some more hockey. Let's get right on into this one. Pierre-Luc Dubrois is now officially a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now, if you remember last episode, I was discussing how the Columbus Blue Jackets situation with Dubrois and him saying that he did want out of there. Uh, he had been showing some lackluster play a bit, not really giving the best of efforts, which actually resulted in Tortorella benching him in the first period. They had said they would be in no rush to trade him, so that means they must have thought that this was a great trade for them. And I would have to agree. It came out that more than 20-plus teams had an interest in making a trade for Dubois. This is quite obvious, though, considering he is 22 years old in a promising center with a great future and potential to become a superstar. In the last episode, I also discussed the five possible teams that I thought could try and make a move for the 22-year-old and how it would make sense and who they possibly would have had to give up. One trade I actually did say was line A for Dubois straight up, and that's not exactly what happened. But basically, the deal in this first in this is first blockbuster trade of the season. We see Columbus Blue Jackets send Pierre-Luc Dubois and a 2022 third-round pick, so next year, to the Winnipeg Jets for Patrick Laine and Jack Roslovich. In addition, Winnipeg will actually be retaining 26% of Laine's contract this year, so the deals will be dollar for dollar for those two, so they'll still be paying the same amount they would be this year, and their cap doesn't change. I want to discuss how this reshapes both teams and who is the winner out of this big blockbuster trade, the first one of the season. Technically, second trade of the season, but first blockbuster trade. First, we will start on the side of the Winnipeg Jets. They get rid of two players, both who have expressed that they wanted a move away from the team. Rosovich last season, Line A recently, this season, just it not saying it doesn't really work for him. It's not the right fit in Winnipeg. And coming in, they receive a top-end second-line center to give them that one-two punch with Mark Shifley as their number one center, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Winnipeg did make a trade this offseason for centerman Paul Stastny from the Vegas Golden Knights, and he was planned to be their second-line center for this season. Now, whether Paul Stastny drops down the third line, that doesn't look like what will be happening. 
the coach Paul Maurice of the Winnipeg Jets said that when Dubois does enter the lineup and comes into the team, he will most likely bump Stastny out wide into the left wing position and have Stastny on the left wing, Dubois down the middle in Ehlers and keeping their top line of Connor Shifley together. Connor Shifley Wheeler together. This would leave Adam Lowry, who's the third line center, keeping in his position. Now, obviously, this could change based on how well they play together and what they see. We could also see Dubrow go out on the wing in a situation where they want to stack it and throw Dubrow up on the first line. We could also see Stassny drop down as a third line center if they want more depth or if Stassny and Dubrow don't really fit well together. But it seems like the plan, according to head coach Murray's, that they're going to be bumping Sassy out wide with Dubois and Nikolai Ehlers. Now, I I think a, the Jets have been a team that have been rising up the past couple seasons and have been somewhat underrated and are a bit winger heavy. And I think the reason behind Line's departure is he did say he didn't feel like he was getting, it wasn't the right fit, but part of it might have been because he wasn't getting that top line ice time with Mark Shifley up there that he thought he deserved Patrick Laine obviously an amazing player and deserving of that first line time I think that's part of why the reason they departed I do think Winnipeg is kind of a winger heavy type team in adding in that top end second line center giving them that one-two punch I think is very useful for them now for the Columbus Blue Jackets side they get Jack Rosovich who they have extended to keep through the 2021 and 2022 season. So that'll be through the end of next season. He can play winger center for them. Probably going to be on the third line somewhere is where we'll be seeing him. Line A has to play first line ice time. Now, when, when you get someone who is disgruntled with another organization, you want to, you don't want to make that same mistake, especially with a player of the caliber of Patrick line A. And when you're giving up Pierre Luc Dubois, now, I think line A has to be put on the first line, and I think you have to set him up with Max Domi. Uh, there's debate whether you keep them together. Max Domi, probably the best forward now that Dubrois has gone on the Columbus Blue Jackets. He can play left wing or center. I think he gets bumped into the center position, and you have line A out wide. I think you got to play those two together, and... Obviously, you'll have Nick Foligno up on that line as well with them. So it'll be Foligno on the left. And then you'll have line A on the right and Max Domi down the middle. This will mean that Atkinson will probably be bumped down to the third line from the first line with Nash Foudy on that third line. And you'll probably see on line two, it stay the combination of Jenner, Texier, and Borkstrand, which has actually been working very well for the Columbus Blue Jackets this season. Borkstrand's been having quite a good season. So now we've established the details of the trade and where each team stands. I think at the moment, the trade is a win-win. Now, obviously down the road, we will see where these players fit into the teams. Uh, The teams did both get rid of superstar talent who were disgruntled and received superstar talent both of these teams don't have huge markets but i feel as winnipeg being in canada that does have some more appeal to Dubois, who said kind of said he wanted to be closer to home i feel the jets are a better team than the columbus blue jackets now i'm not sure will line a fit in 
Columbus. And when I say that, I mean, obviously he's going to play well. The kid's a superstar. He's the closest thing we'll probably see to the second coming of Alexander Ovechkin with that extreme one-timer, big power forward type guy. Columbus does have a tendency of losing big name players because they don't have that big of a market and people want to move out of Columbus. So we'll see if they can manage to convince line a and get him to hop aboard and stay and sign that long-term deal, which I think is going to be the big thing between both these teams. His contract is up next season. He will be an RFA though, meaning Columbus will have the rights to sign him or match a deal. I really don't know which side I would rather be on in this trade because I think that line a is the better player. However, the center position is a very valuable position to have, especially having a top-end second liner like Malkin with Crosby or Dreisaitl to McDavid, or you got Tavares and Matthews, you know, those two top centers that really like set your team. I feel like it's a huge part of hockey in this day and era. I think Line will be the better player in the end, I think the big thing that's going to need to happen is we have to see next season or this offseason if Dubois or Line does sign that seven or eight year deal with the team. And if if they can manage to keep them for that long, I think it's a good trade for both of them. Uh, I think both teams fulfill needs that they needed and I, I think we will see better out of the Jets this season just because I like how the Jets team is set up I also think that it might take longer for us to see Dubois before when we see Line because of the borders they do have to pass through quarantine and Canada obviously has more stricter borders and rules about that than the U.S. does next thing we're going to jump into is the Arizona Arizona Coyotes former GM John Chaka. The NHL has decided to suspend Chaka through December 31st, 2021. Now, for those of you who are not aware, at the end of the 2020 season, right before play was looking like it was going to pick back up. Arizona had made the playoffs for the first time since 2012, and Chaka called the quits on the team right before this. He was pursuing and job searching elsewhere while he still had three more years remaining on his contract with the Coyotes. Now, in order for someone to do this and pursue it, they have to get permission from their team where originally the Coyotes were giving him permission, but then once they were going into the playoffs, they retracted it. So he was signed by Arizona in 2016, and he was just 26, making him the youngest GM. And now in 2020, Chica decides to quit, and he said, I love our players, coaches, staff, and fans, and I very much wish I could be with the team in Edmonton. Sadly, the situation created by ownership made that an impossibility. So upon this suspension, Commissioner Gary Bettman circulated a memo to all teams that stated Chaka engaged in conduct detrimental to the league and game as well as breached his obligation to the club. Now, before I go into this, this, however, does not come into play with Arizona losing their draft picks. So Arizona had lost their 2020 second round pick in their 2021 first round pick. So that'll be this year's first round pick violating the scouting combine policy uh, for the conducting physical testing 
for draft eligible players, which occurred under Cheka, they're still that's still going to stay intact. They're still losing their picks. Um, however, I think that this is rightfully deserved for Cheka. I actually think he shouldn't be allowed a job in the NHL until his contract would have been up. Uh, this is something that should have never had to go out into public about the discommunication of the organization. I think she could, I don't, I don't know the specifics of it, but I, I don't think a good conversation went on between him and the organization. I think it's poor on Cheka's side. It's your job as the GM and he to go out there and build the team. And he did, he, uh, he said because of ownership, he didn't want to go. But how about the fact that Arizona had created a semi-decent team? Now, not an amazing team, not a team that you thought was going to win the Stanley Cup, but they had some veterans on their team. Like they had Phil Kessel who knows how to win a cup. He did it down over in Pittsburgh and they had Taylor Hall. They had Taylor Hall at the time. They had traded for Taylor Hall. And who knows, whatever situation happens with the Coyotes, they make it deep in the playoff run. Maybe Taylor Hall is like, yeah, you know what? This looks like a good team. I'm going to sign the contract with them. I'm going to sign an extension with them. I mean, maybe maybe he stays and then Arizona gets their franchise player and it could change around their whole team. So, I think it's poor on Chica's side. Chica will be ineligible for any NHL job until the new year, though. Speaking of GMs, just recently, a shocking resignation from Pittsburgh's GM, Jim Rutherford, who recently in 2019 was inducted into the Hall of Fame, has stepped down from his position for personal reasons. Rutherford came to the team in 2014, where he built that team around the cornerstones of an amazing one-two punch as we were talking about earlier, Crosby and Malkin and helped them win back-to-back Stanley Cups in 2016 and 2017. The Penguins have since promoted assistant GM Patrick Alvin as the interim GM until further notice, until they find someone else. Not many, it wasn't anything bad between Rutherford and the Penguins. Nothing really changed in the organization. I'm sure they had talks with upper office and all of that, but it was discussed for personal reasons. Rutherford, who's 71, might have other things he wants to do with his life, but it's just for personal reasons. All, he has all the respect for the Penguins. He said it himself. I'm sure all of the Penguins organization have respect for him as well. But I was speaking of Malkin, I mean, this is a bit off topic, but I still don't think Malkin gets the credit he deserves. I feel like everyone talks about Malkin being an underrated center, probably being a number one center for most any other team other than the Penguins just because they have Sidney Crosby. So can we all agree to stop underrating Evgeny Malkin for what he is? Everyone says he's underrated, then stop underrating him. Rate him as he is. He's a he's a one B. He's not He's not a two center. He's in one, one B just because he's behind Crosby. That's just a little thing about him being underrated. And there's many other players in the league who are underrated. I'm not going to go into that right now. That might be safe for another episode. What we are going to go into now is the Dallas stars. Now the Dallas stars, as I mentioned before, just played their first game on Friday and what an opener that was for them. 
as not only did they win, but they won seven to nothing. They did also put up five power play goals against the Predators in that game. What were you doing, Predators? You gave up, I think it was eight penalties. I think they went five for eight, and you up five of those, and the Stars are now 3-0 after posting a 3-2 win over the Predators and a 2-1 overtime win against the Red Wings. The Dallas Stars are currently 9 of 14 on the power play and have scored a total of 12 goals this season. So nine of their 12 goals are on the power play. And the question has to be asked, can Dallas keep it up with their hot streak if the other team stays out of the penalty box? Now, 75% of your goals have been scored from the power play. Obviously, they have the talent to do it. But they are a team without their current best player, Tyler Sagan, who will be out till mid-early April. So Dallas is really going to be looking towards Joe, Joe Pavelski, the veteran present, their best center on their team right now, to lead this team as the top center, which he has proven he can be. He's a veteran two-way forward who is one of the best, if not the best, in front of that. If you have not seen Joe Pavelski in front of the net tipping pucks you should watch his pre-games and his practices of him just standing in front of the net and guys slinging pucks at him and he manages to deflect like every single one into the net his hand-eye coordination is amazing and it's really really special to watch so if you haven't watched him do that i would highly recommend you go do that but a team that's going to need to look and maybe the power play will be a huge part of this team scoring on the power play until they can get back Tyler Sagan who can create so much offense and has such speed for this team. Now, remember when I made my prediction of Alexi Lafreniere being my Calder winner and I was like, not to be basic, but I'm just going to go Alexi Lafreniere because of everything that he is. Well, so far he has zero points in six games and a plus minus of negative three. Now, part of this can be said due to his line mates, Kreider and Zabinijad. They haven't really been the best selves this year. Rangers haven't been amazing this year like they were last season. Now, is it time to panic and boo Lafreniere or call him a bust? No. No. You have to remember, this kid is 19 years old. He's 19 years old, and he has been playing in the QMJHL for the past couple of years with other teenagers. But again, 19, only six games into his NHL season, into his NHL career, and he's getting used to older players in the physicality, and he might just need a little more time to adjust to that. Now, you might be thinking Kaprizov has been impressing and adding a lot to the wild, and he's a rookie. He was drafted by the Wild in 2015 and is just now a rookie because he was still growing and he spent years in the KHL where there are grown Russian men playing there and it makes it a little easier to convert himself from the NHL or excuse me from the KHL into the NHL. Now everyone obviously has big big expectations for the kid Lafreniere because he is he was the no doubt number one overall pick when it was revealed that was going to be a, one of the teams in the play-in rounds was going to get him. Everyone's like, who's going to get Lafreniere? He has the same hype as Austin Matthews did. 
and Austin Matthews put up four goals in his opener, but don't panic yet on him. Give him some more time. It is also a lot more pressuring now with it being the beginning of the season without a goal. If in the middle of the season he hit six games without points, it'd be called a slump, and everyone would say, you know, it happens. The rookie hits his slump. He stops going. There is extra pressure to get your first goal of the season, especially as a rookie, but once he does get going, you you got to watch it. This guy is talented, and he's going to be firing on all cylinders. So we're going to go through my three stars for week two now. I did it last week. We're going to do it again, try and do it every single week. So at number three, I'm going with Joe Pavelski, who I talked about earlier. Joe Pavelski has three goals and five assists in three games. Now, the only reason he's not higher up on my list is because he did score seven of his points on the power play. The Stars are 3-0 and in their first three games, but he has been a huge part of the team and will be looked upon to carry much of the load while Tyler Sagan is out. Now, at number two, I have Tyler Toffoli. Tyler Toffoli of the Montreal Canadiens, one of the best signings so far this season. He has five goals and two goals in the past three games this last week, and the Canadiens are 2-0-1, and they are impressing everyone, and Tyler Toffoli is a huge reason why. Canadiens are probably the team to watch out for. I saw in some rankings of the power rankings, Canadiens were ranked number one team, and Toffoli is a huge part of that. Toffoli did put up a hat-trick, scoring all of their goals in their overtime loss to the Canucks on the 20th and looked at Toffoli to really lead this team in scoring and be one of the best acquisitions this offseason. And at number one, I'm going with Nikolai Ehlers, who put up four goals and five assists and is a plus seven in these past four games this week. The Jets were three and one. It looked like he was clearly the best player. He could do it everywhere. He put up a power play goal, an even strength goal, and a shorthanded goal this past week. So Nikolai Ehlers, my number one star, has looked to flourish. And with line eight gone, I think they can be happy. They still have Nikolai Ehlers, who will help out a lot. And when Dubois comes up with him, just get ready, because that's going to be a phenomenal second line there. Maybe the best second line in the league. Finally, we're going to finish it out just by talking about the league leaders for points, goals, and assists here. Ty Smith and Kaprizov are tied at the top with six points, leading all rookies. Mitch Marner, alongside Connor McDavid, sit at 12 points each to lead all players in points. Leading for goals is Max Pacioretty and Mika Rantanen. And for assists, sits Anze Kopitar and Mark Stone, each with nine. And for goalie stats, we got Antoine Kudobin, who made his debut last Friday and leads with a .99 goals against average. And Varlamov still sits there, has conceded some goals, but he has a save percentage of .966. And Gibson joins Varlamov with two shutouts on the year. So that's going to do it for this episode. The NHL is starting to pick up and shape itself out. We will see when Line and Dubois make their debuts for their new teams and how they adjust to their new settings. Can Dallas continue on their hot streak even without getting as many power plays as they have? And will Lafreniere pick up his first point before our next episode? Thank you all for listening. Make sure to follow me here on Spotify. I'll catch you all next week for another episode of Top Shelf.